lead in spiritual warfare. This week, as we recognize Veterans Day, we're, we're reminded that our nation has really been shaped by, by war in many regards, by battles. We can look back at the Revolutionary War in which we gained our uh, independence from, from Britain, and we think of the British forces that, we, that were here, and we think of battles like Lexington and Concord and, and Bunker Hill, and recognize that we stand in independence as a nation because of a battle and battles. We think about the Civil War. We think of the lives that were taken at places like Gettysburg or Chancellorsville. That was a war that obviously in, in brought us to a place where we were united. We were going to stay as one nation. We think about World War II. We don't have time to go through all the battles we've been involved in, but World War II as... Hitler was moving through Europe and blitzkrieging through Europe and the Battle of the Bulge there in December of 1944. We think of 70 plus thousand allied forces that gave their lives or were wounded on that battlefield to stop the tyrannical, maniacal reign of Hitler. Battles are important. Battles are important in our life. Though none of us necessarily are at that point where we're, you know, in military attire today, we recognize that all of us are in a battle. It is a real battle. It is a, an actual battle that takes place in our world every day in which the forces of darkness wage war against the kingdom of light. And Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us that as we are in a battle, we need to be prepared for a battle. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse number 10 today. We're going to read down through verse number 13. But keep your Bible open because we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 20. Ephesians chapter 6, we pick up in verse number 10. Finally, he's coming to the end of his book. He has just a couple of paragraphs to write. He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take 
your stand. And then the next word in verse number 14 is stand. God calls us to stand with that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the truth in it today. And God, we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle today. Lord, may we be believers who stand in your awesome and powerful, most powerful name, we pray. Amen. There is a real cosmic spiritual war that is going on around us. It is a cosmic invisible war that the effects of that then apply and are pertaining to our physical, visible world. But there is an actual enemy that all of us as believers have. Peter would say in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober, to be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. James would say that we need to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus would describe it in John 10, 10 this way, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. We are in a real spiritual battle. Now, we look at the cultural flow of our nation, and we look in some ways at the moral demise of values of the past, and we recognize that this is not primarily a battle of flesh and bone. This is not a physical fight, but primarily we are in a spiritual battle. Now, in that spiritual battle, Paul reminds us and challenges us that we need to stand in the spiritual warfare and stand in the spiritual battles in which we fight. He uses the word in verse number 10, verse number 13, and verse number 14, that we are to stand. In the day of battle, we are to stand. Now, a lot of times when uh, what we kind of consider that adrenaline kick in, it is the fight fight or flight mentality. Fight, often we well up in our own flesh and anger and we lash out or we run. And the danger for us as believers is that we must not fight according to our strength, but we fight in his strength with his armor in his way to make sure that we win the spiritual battles that are going on in life. Now, I don't know what kind of spiritual battles you are facing today, but you are surely facing spiritual battles. There is an enemy, especially for those of us who know Christ, there is an enemy who is out to destroy you, that is out to to destroy your your family, your church, your community, who wants to, to push everything toward the kingdom of darkness, and God calls us as believers to stand. So how do we stand? Well, I I want us to to slide through, and we're going to have to look quickly because this is a lot of verses, but I want us to think as we are in this spiritual battle, first off, we have to stand strong in God's strength. We stand strong in God's strength. Notice what it reminds us in verse number 10, that we are to, to be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. By his vast strength. Now, when we think about the strength of humanity, 
we find that it can be pretty limited. The greatest weight that has ever been lifted was lifted by a man named Paul Anderson in the 1950s. And he was able to take 6,270 pounds off of a trestle and to lift it up. And they called it a back lift and then put it down. 6,270 pounds. That is just unbelievable. But can I tell you, as strong as we might be in the flesh, we are no match for a spiritual battle in which we fight in our own strength. He says, brethren, be strengthened by the Lord and by his strength or his might. He is the one who is all powerful and all strong. How strong is God? Well, first off, as we think about God in the scope of Bible, we, the Bible, we find that God is creator strong. He is creator strong. How strong is our God? He is creator strong. So that if you look in your Bible in Psalm 33, or let me just read it very quickly. In Psalm 33 and verse number six, it says, the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. That's creator strong. That the, the universe formed by the words of God, that is all powerful, all strong. He goes on to say, he gathers the water of the sea into a heap. He can hold the, the seas, all of the waters of the world in his hands. He puts the depths into their storehouses. And then he declares, let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke... And it came into being. Our God is creator strong. But not only is our God creator strong, but he is also sustainer strong. Our God is sustainer strong. Paul Anderson was able to lift up 6,270 pounds. Well, scientists have tried with mathematical equations to figure out how heavy the earth is. Their best guess is that the earth weighs 13,170 pounds with 21 zeros behind it. 21 zeros. And yet every day, I don't see any of us fearing that the earth is going to fall out of its place in the universe. Why? Because we know and recognize that our God is not only creator strong, that created all things by the words of his mouth, but he is sustainer strong. And then we also see throughout scripture that our God is miracle strong. He's miracle strong. He is strong over nature. He is strong over disease. He is strong over death. Our God is strong. So Paul says, look guys, don't trust yourself. Look ladies, don't rely on your own strength. Instead, tap into the power of God, the creator, the sustainer, the miracle worker. Tap into his strength and in the power of his might. Because recognize that the devil is stronger than you. But 1 John 4, 4 tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The God who lives in me today is creator strong, he is sustainer strong, and he is miracle strong. Stand strong in the Lord. As believers, we are to stand, stand strong in God's power. 
But secondly, we find in this passage that we're not only to stand strong in God's power, but we are to stand dressed in God's armor. We are to stand dressed in God's armor. As we pick up in verse number 13 and following, we find in verse number 14, it gives us the elements of armor. But recognize with me as we look at this passage that we're told to put on the armor of God because we we fight not against flesh and blood, against rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers of the darkness, against evil uh, forces that are in the heavens. And the truth is, all the way back up in verse number 11, it tells us that there are schemes. The enemy has schemes. The demons have schemes. He knows where we're weak. He knows when and where we are vulnerable. And so he tells us to put on the armor of God. We pick up in verse number 14. Stand therefore with the truth, with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest. And your feet, your, your, your feet are, are, uh, shed with the, the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So he gives us elements of our armor. First off, we are to take the belt of truth and we are to buckle it around our waist. Remember in that day that, that they wore long flowing robes. And so if they were going to, to be agile and prepared for their moment of battle, they would have to take up their, their, the long robe and they would tie that around their waist so it wouldn't be long and dangly. I was walking with my uh, sister in a, a wedding. It was my other sister's wedding and she was coming up the step and I was holding on, but she didn't grab her dress and went like that and uh, almost fell. The, the picture is, is you can't fight a battle like that. So you need to be, be ready. So pulling up our robe and tightening it up with the belt of truth so that we are ready in truth. John seventeen seventeen reminds us that thy word is truth. So we stand prepared in truth with the belt of truth. Then we stand with the breastplate of righteousness or the armor of righteousness. Now as believers, we, we recognize that, that we and this armor have to, to protect our vital organs. Could you imagine a pitcher throwing to a catcher a 90 Five ninety nine hundred and two mile an hour fastball, and the catcher wore no chest protector. He says, "You need to be dressed. You need to protect your vital organs." Here he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. We recognize Second Corinthians five twenty one that we have received the inherited or imputed righteousness of Christ in our life at the moment of salvation. That he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here we have that imputed righteousness, but there is a practice and practical righteousness that we need to be living in. We take up the belt of truth. We take up the breastplate of righteousness. Then we put our our shoes on. We're, we're ready with the, the gospel of peace. Our shoes, are, our sandals are tied with the gospel of peace. As we think about armor, and we think about getting dressed for an occasion, that, that's always important. 
My wife, when we go somewhere on an out-of-town trip, I mean, she packs heavy. Because she tells me, I don't ever know what I'm going to feel like when I'm there and what, how everybody else is dressing and all of those kinds of things. We all want to be dressed and ready for the occasion. Here, as we think about getting dressed and ready for the occasion, could you imagine playing hockey in a basketball jersey in your Air Jordans? Could you imagine stepping into a spiritual battle? And not having the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, or the shoes of the gospel of peace. The shoes of the gospel of peace would involve a a spiked kind of shoe that would bring grip, that would allow you to stand, that would in the the inclement conditions or amid the sand or mud, uh, it would allow you to dig in so that you could be positioned In athletics, it's important that we have a position. If we're going to block, if we're going to make a tackle, we need to be in the right position. Here, he says, in a spiritual battle, you need to be in the right position. When I was in elementary school, we used to have kind of a field day and the teams, uh, the school uh, classes, grades would face each other. And one of the years, the teacher in the other class in like fifth grade, we were involved in the tug of war. And she told all of her students to wear spikes. And they won. And I thought, man, I went to the, the gym teacher afterwards and, st- and he could have cared less, but I still was, was sharing that no one else told us that we could wear spikes, but they were able to get the grip and pull. Make sure that your shoes have the gospel of peace, the gospel. That's understanding that Christ died. The foundation of my life is that Christ died for me. Christ rose again. Christ lives for me. And through his blood and through the cross, he accepts me. I'm accepted in the beloved, not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but I can stand steady in the gospel because Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus saves. So that when I'm walking into my battle and the the evil one begins to hurl insults and accusations and there's intimidation, I recognize I do not stand in my own power. I do not stand in my own strength. My feet are rooted in the gospel of peace. Then he tells us that we need to take the shield of faith. As we think about the shield of faith, it was a shield that was about two and a half feet wide and about four feet tall that would be able to to stop the arrows or the spears of the enemy. He says, above all, make sure that you take the shield of faith. This was a matter of life or death. Now, I know Captain America can use sometimes his shield as an offensive weapon, but this was primarily a defensive weapon, and it would be stopping the hurls, the accusations, the intimidation of the evil one. And then he says to take the helmet of salvation and take the helmet of salvation so that my mind is filled with the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and my position in him. I am a new creation. I have been brought from darkness to light, from death to life. And because of that, I want my heart focused on the truth of the gospel. 
I have to stand ready for battle. I stand in his strength. I stand dressed in his armor. Thirdly, I stand armed with his sword. I stand armed with his sword. Notice what, what it says in, in the scripture there. It says that, that your feet is to be ready with the gospel of peace. And in, in every situation, take up the shield of faith. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Stand armed with God's sword. This word, so that my life is to be thinking on and meditating on this word. You recognize how Jesus fought his battles? That when Jesus was confronted with the evil one in Matthew chapter 4, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. He used this as an offensive weapon to fight back against the darkness. It is important for you to have God's word in your hand, but most of all, to have God's word in your heart. The psalmist would say in Psalm 119, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. The sword of the spirit. Hebrews 4, 12 tells us that the word of God is acting, active and living like a two-edged sword. And even after we've looked at passages dozens of times or even into hundreds of times, we recognize God's word speaks fresh and God's word fights battles. And when I stand in his strength and when I stand dressed in his armor and I stand wielding his sword, my focus is set on the truth of his word. Oh, Remember what Jesus would say in Matthew 24, 35? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Remember what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40? How how the grass is going to wither and the flowers are going to fade, but the word of the Lord is going to endure forever? It is absolutely essential that we recognize that this book in our hand is to be a book that is in our mind and in our heart. Have you ever played freeze tag as a kid? You ever played freeze tag? You know, freeze tag has an has a defensive part where the person who is it, you're trying to avoid. You're trying to avoid the one who is it. But it also has an offensive part. Because when someone gets tagged and they're frozen, you want to go tag them and unfreeze them. For us as believers, there is a defense in which there is one who is after us. But we recognize that there are a lot of people out there that are frozen or lost in their sinfulness. And the only tool that we have to reach them is the word of God and the Spirit of God, pointing them to the Son of God. We are in a battle. It is not just defensive, but we are to be on the offense as well. We take the sword. We take the sword. Next, we not only stand in God's strength and with God's armor and stand armed with God's 
sword, but we stand praying in God's spirit. We stand praying in God's spirit. Notice, notice what it says as we, we look on in verse number 18. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me. We're to pray in God's spirit. What does that mean? That I'm praying in harmony with God's spirit. That maybe even as I begin my prayer, I just want to take a few moments to focus on who he is and to make sure my life is lined up so that I'm speaking the desires of God's spirit through my life. And even when I don't know how to pray, it tells us in the scripture that the spirit makes intercession for us. We stand praying in God's spirit. We have ultimate power at our disposal We have eternal wisdom in our hand. And God says, now come to me with this dependence and this humility before me. And then you can receive, stand praying in the spirit. But then he goes on as you think about praying in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert, be alert around you. There are things that we need to be praying about that are going on around us. There are are people that need to be prayed for that are around us. Our government needs to be prayed for around us. We need to be praying people. And then he also mentions that we are to be praying with every prayer and, and request and staying alert with perseverance and intercession for the saints. I, I look at my brother Jerry Gosey back here and I think how many prayers went up interceding for that brother. There's the picture and the power of intercession. And you know what happens in our life and it can happen in my life and it can happen in yours. That when our life gets too busy, usually our prayer life suffers first. So I want to challenge you. As we think about standing in the battle today, we need to be standing, praying in God's spirit. But then notice how Paul closes this because Paul doesn't plead and say, oh, pray for me. I'm in prison here. There's a Roman guard next to me and I've seen his his armor. And so I'm I'm reminding us that we're in a battle here. So pray that I'll get out of here. Notice what Paul prays. Pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. We stand bold as God's ambassador. You know what Paul prays for? He prays for two things. Boldness. And he prays for an open mouth to speak the gospel. Boldness and an open mouth to speak the gospel. What a challenge for us today. I would imagine many of us, if we were facing prison today, would be be thinking, oh, pray for me to get out of here. Pray for me. And Paul says, pray for me. That I would be bold. And that as I open my mouth, the message of the gospel would ring forth. We're in a battle today. And though in 
30, 32 minutes, it's hard to, to go through all the ramifications of Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We understand and recognize that this spiritual battle really does make a difference. It, it not only makes a difference in your life, because when you begin to, to, to lose to the enemy and, and, and you compromise in your spiritual and moral life, that begins to affect all the relationships that are around you. That begins to affect how you treat your husband or your wife or your children or your parents. It has an effect. Are you ready? You say, man, I'm just kind of living life. I want to tell you, you're in a battle. And the Christian life is not just, hey, Lord, I'm going to come to church on Sunday so you can bless me and fill me and I can go have a happy week. We do not dwell on a playground. We live in a battleground. And we recognize the battle is going on around us. But we also recognize that because Jesus is alive, the battle is won. I was listening this morning on the way here up from the grave he arose and because Jesus is alive we have hope and confidence in his hand and in his moving and because Jesus is alive and in Revelation 1 it reminds us that that he was dead and now he is alive forevermore and holds the keys of death and Hades that because he is alive we ultimately, we ultimately, we ultimately win. But as we're going through, let's make sure and fight the battles in his strength, with his armor, wielding his sword, praying in his spirit, and being bold as God's ambassador. With that, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. You are alive today. And because you are alive, Lord Jesus, we know we have hope and we know we have ultimate victory. But Lord, this week, we'll face challenges. We'll be in battles. We'll have an enemy who is out to steal and kill and destroy us. He'll be like a roaring lion around us. So God, help us to be prepared for the battles. Lord, we pray over our church that we would be prepared for the battles. And Lord, we recognize and give you praise because we ultimately know we win the war. In Jesus' name.